Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So last week we began looking at how Matthew begins his gospel. He begins with a genealogy, a genealogy that takes in much of the Old Testament histories. It is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. But Jesus was, first of all, the Savior of Israel. He is the promised Messiah who fulfilled the promises given to Israel's forefathers. Jesus came into the world as the culmination, the, the climax of Israel's history. As St. Matthew wrote, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Last week, we looked at how Jesus was the son of Abraham. Jesus fulfilled the covenant the Lord had made with Abraham. I will bless you and make your name great. I will bless those who bless you and all those who curse you, I will curse. I will make of you a great nation. And in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. That line of blessing ran through Abraham's seed, his offspring. From Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, and so on down the line. The covenant was renewed and extended with each generation according to God's plan, and as we heard, his plan alone. But the Lord also added something else into the mix with those promises. To Abraham, at one point, he said, I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. Likewise to Jacob, later renamed Israel, the Lord said, a nation and a community of nations will come from you and kings will come from your body. And out of Jacob's 12 sons, it was Judah to whom this promise came. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs. And the obedience of the nations is his. That was Genesis 49.10. So then a king would come from the line of Judah, a royal ruler with a scepter in hand, Indeed, a whole line of kings until finally there would come one great king for whom it was all meant. Now, the promise of a royal line and of one great king was what was added to that already existing covenant the Lord made with Abraham and Isaac, and specifically that these kings would come from the tribe of Judah, as he promised through Isaac's blessing. Well, the centuries came and the centuries went, and guess what? No king. But now, now the Israelites wanted a king. Not because the Lord had promised them one. No, it was because they wanted to be like the nations around them. All the other nations have kings, Lord. Why don't we? All they had was the Lord and his prophets, as though that were not enough. In their desire to be like everyone else, they kept pestering God's prophet Samuel to give them a king until the Lord finally said, okay, and let them have what they wanted. The king they got was King Saul, only he was not from the tribe of Judah, and he did not do what the Lord wanted. So Saul was rejected by God. The Lord then told Samuel to go to the house of Jesse, and out of Jesse's sons, the Lord instructed Samuel to anoint David as the future king to replace Saul. Now David was from the tribe of Judah, and this was the king who would do the job. Through David would come the promise of the even greater king to come. Well, 
The Lord blessed King David mightily. David was a man after the Lord's own heart, a good and righteous king. He wrote many psalms, and he was concerned for the worship life of Israel. King David unified and solidified the nation. He established Jerusalem as the capital. He brought the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem, and he began preliminary work on building the temple. David was a great and glorious king. Then one night, the word of the Lord came to David's pastor, Pastor Nathan. And Nathan gave David the message we heard just a few seconds ago. The Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So an even greater king, would come from the house of David. The son of David would bring in God's everlasting kingdom. What a promise. What a hope. For as great as David was, there were still problems in his kingdom. There were still problems in King David himself, in fact. We can see that reflected in the genealogy in our text today. Matthew seems to make a special point of it when he mentions something he didn't need to mention, namely, and David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Like we heard last week, whenever St. Matthew brings in extra information to his genealogy, he's doing it for a purpose, and here we have extra information. David did not have to mention Solomon's mother at all. That wasn't normally done in this type of father-son genealogy, as we mentioned last week. But here, the mention of the wife of Uriah reminds us of the whole story that goes with it. How David had Uriah killed because he had an affair with her and got her pregnant. Well, even the way this is phrased casts everything in a certain way, doesn't it? But what I mean is Matthew could have just said Bathsheba, but instead says the wife of Uriah. He was making the readers remember the bad side of the king. So here is the fatal flaw with all the kings in Israel's history. Their sinfulness. No matter how good as king they may have been otherwise, they were still sinners. Take Solomon, for example. Would he be the one to fulfill the promise? After all, he was the son, literally the son of David, and he started out with so much promise. The Lord gave Solomon an incredible amount of wisdom. He was the wisest man in the world. The glory and grandeur of Solomon's kingdom reached new heights, even greater than his father David. Solomon built the temple that his father could have only dreamed about. So was Solomon it? Was he the one? Well, sadly, no. Solomon, although wise became a fool of sorts. His greed and his lust led him to compromise his faith and the faith of Israel. He married several hundred foreign wives, and that meant introducing their foreign gods. Solomon, as promising as he started out, would not be the one to fulfill the promise of David. Nor would it be Solomon's son, Rehoboam, in fact, under Rehoboam, the kingdom split in two into north and south, is, into north and south Israel. Israel in the north and Judah in the south. The line of David was still going. King after king came, and with each birth a royal son, you had to wonder, is this the one? Is this little boy the, 
from the line of David going to grow up to be the promised Messiah. Well, some of the kings were good and some of them were bad. Manasseh, for example, was a very wicked king. Whereas Hezekiah and Josiah, on the other hand, were very good kings. They led the nation in renewed devotion to the Lord. They walked in his ways, but even the best of these kings died without fulfilling the promise given to David. When would that one son of David come? Meanwhile, the nation kept going downhill spiritually. Oh, there would be brief episodes of revival, but generally it was a downward spiral spiritually. God's prophets kept warning them of the coming judgment, and finally that judgment came. In 597 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon took a group of captives into exile, out of Judah and into captivity in Babylon. He took Jeconiah, the heir to the throne. Now there was no son of David ruling on the throne in Jerusalem, and this was shocking. What would happen to the promise made to David? A few years later, in 587 BC, more captives were taken, and Jerusalem was destroyed. Even the temple was demolished. From the heights of David and Solomon to now, defeat and exile. No king, no son of David ruling on the throne. And while we will be ending our review of Matthew 1 here this week, this was not, in fact, the end of the line of David. The royal line was still alive with a royal heir still living, albeit off in exile for the time being. And with that living heir, God's promise remained intact. You see, the king does not forget his promises. The Lord does not forget his promises. He did not forget his promise to King David. That one great king from his royal line would usher in the everlasting kingdom. And as dark as Israel's fortunes had turned, that hope was still alive and well. The royal line had not been snuffed out. A son of David, the son of David, would come one day. The prophet Isaiah told of this promise to be fulfilled. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The angel Gabriel was thinking of that same promise to David when he told a young lady named Mary, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Jesus is that king. Jesus is the son of David. When he came to Israel, he announced, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we heard about this last Sunday. We heard, he went, excuse me, about preaching and teaching and healing, bringing the blessings of the kingdom to men. Where those other kings failed, flawed and sinful as they were, this king did not. Jesus is the one great king, the son of David, promised from of old. But his kingdom came in a surprising way. 
not in glory and grandeur, but in meekness and lowliness, in rejection and suffering, suffering for the sins of his people, for the sins of all people, for your sins and my sins. His crown was a crown of thorns. His throne was a cross just outside Jerusalem with a sign above his head stating Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. This King, Jesus Christ, is the great and promised Son of David, great David's greater Son. Jesus brings his people out of their lonely exile of sin and death, and he brings us into his kingdom of peace and life. Now he reigns forevermore. He comes to us now in his word and sacraments, giving us the very gift of his kingdom of grace. And he will come again one day, when we will finally see and experience all that is in store for us in his kingdom of glory. Jesus Christ, the Son of David, behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. Amen. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue with our next hymn, number 357, verses 1, 2, 4, 5, and 7. <laughs> 